Hello and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the church today, and how the gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatzak with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. God cannot help you unless you allow God to help you. Many of us could be accused of trying to out-God God. We think we know more than God. We think we can do more than God. We actually believe that what we want and how we want it is better than the way God can bring it to us. In fact, we get so busy doing what we do the way we do it, there is no opportunity for God to get into our lives at all. God is so merciful. God will not fight you. If God did, you would get beat up badly. Most of us could use a divine butt-whipping. Instead, God sits back and waits to be invited into your life. God will let you do whatever you want to do until you realize that God can do it better. If you want to run the show, God will let you. If you want to pull all the strings, that's up to you. If you want to insist that what you are doing is the way it should be done, even when you are not getting anywhere, go right ahead. God will let you run yourself ragged if you choose to do so. Unfortunately, you may not always be aware that you are in God's way. You think you are demonstrating your independence. You think that it is all up to you and that you must do it or it won't get done. God knows better. God knows that God cannot fail. However, God has no need to prove to you what God can do. How do you know when you are in God's way? How do you know when you are running your program rather than allowing God's divine plan to unfold? It's very simple. We're here in the Archbishop's Corner where Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair is here to help you know when you are in God's way. If you are struggling to make things happen and they are not happening, it's you, not God, running the show. Until today, you may have been directing your own life and attempting to produce your own blessing. Just for today, ask for direction. In the Archbishop's Corner, you can open yourself to God's guidance. It's where you can give up your attachments to having things your way and open yourself up to God's way. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for helping us see the unfolding of God's divine plan in our lives and helping us trust enough to step aside and let God get into our lives. And speaking, Archbishop, of letting God get into our lives, don't we at this particular time in history, uh, not only of the United States, but history of the world, don't we need God in our lives now more than ever? With this coronavirus epidemic, pandemic going on? Well, absolutely. This is a very sobering time and one that calls on, on the part of all of us for real vigilance for the highest form of charity in uh, doing and not doing what we're asked uh, out of concern, not only for our own health and safety, but also for the health and safety of others. You know, somebody said to me today that, uh, and I thought it was a very good way to put it, that we have to uh, be socially distant, but we can be spiritually close. And I think that that's very important for us as people of faith. We're going to be distant from one another in many, many ways, including, and it really troubles me deeply to say it, but we're going to be far from one another because we can't go to Mass yeah. and receive the Holy Eucharist. But that doesn't mean that we can't be spiritually close to one another, and uh, that's what I hope and pray for. Now, you came out with a, a message on the 16th of the month, 
because of the CDC's recommendation, because of Governor Ned Lamont's request to close restaurants, bars, gyms, movie theaters, and the like, and you canceled all weekend and weekday masses effective on March 17th. Have you heard from parishioners? Have you heard from people how they're responding to this? Well, perhaps you could interpret this humorously, but in the the circumstances of today, maybe it's not so humorous. But here at the Archdiocese on the 16th, as these things were unfolding, from the uh, receptionist at the front desk taking the calls, from morning till noon, she had a barrage of calls of people complaining, why are we not canceling masses? And then when it was announced that we were canceling the masses, she had a barrage of calls from noon until quitting time of why are you canceling oh. the masses? So you can't, this is the world in which we live today. Yeah. You know, people are not inclined to be, uh, what's the right word? Shall I say that everybody has their own opinion about how everything should be. And I would add that I certainly sympathize uh, and identify even with the people who called who say, you know, we shouldn't have to close mass. But at the same time, I've gotten more than one report from people in medicine, epidemiologists who are devoted parishioners. And but it's not only them, it's it's, uh, you know, the government. I, I think Governor Lamont, I spoke with Governor Lamont. He wanted to talk to me about this. And uh, he was very grateful for our cooperation and, and our prayers and wanting to, to do the right thing. He didn't absolutely uh, dictate that churches had to be closed. Uh, but it seems to me that uh, a reasonable person would understand that, that these kinds of gatherings um, are very dangerous. And we, you know, I, as hard as it was for me to come to this decision, I'm comforted by the fact, if that's the right word, that many other bishops have come to the same conclusion, uh, some of them before uh, us in Hartford. You know, there, uh, this has happened in Boston, in New York, in uh, my old home archdiocese of Detroit, and many others where there are so many cases and they're, they're increasing, that it is not wise to uh, continue to celebrate the Mass, uh, as difficult as it is, especially during Lent and looking forward to Holy Week. And I will say, too, that We've made these prohibitions or these policies or whatever you want, directives, uh, until uh, just before Palm Sunday. But I have to tell you very honestly, if if this continues to unfold as the experts say it will, we have to face the possibility that we may not be able to celebrate Holy Week and Easter publicly. We will only be able to celebrate those things in closed ch- churches with just the priest present uh, or me as bishop. And thanks to modern communications and, you know, through... Uh, our Catholic television, we will be able to at least make it available that way. I hope and pray that that's not going to be the case, but uh, by all accounts, it seems that that's what's going to unfold. What the the professionals and the medical profession are saying to us is that uh, we need to do everything that conceivably possible to flatten out the curve so that there's no big spike in the number of cases to overwhelm our hospitals as they inevitably will be overrun, but we've got to do everything possible to make sure that, that we flatten that curve out so, so that there isn't this big, huge spike. And we've seen what happens. It's not like we are not forewarned because we've seen what happened in Italy and in Europe in general. About yes, the it's hospitals. unfolding in Spain now, very mm-hmm. drastically in Spain. You know, I must say, too, that... Uh, 
I just I saw in the paper this morning, I, one of the papers, that the little Italian town uh, in northern Italy that was right at the center of all this, that by following the quarantine strictly, there's been not one new case in that town, even though they're surrounded by this epidemic. Mm. And I was given as an example that it, it does work if you really are effective in obeying it, you know, and doing it. The other thing, too, uh, so many of our parishioners are elderly. That was weighed on my mind very much, too, that the, it's precisely the most vulnerable population that is most inclined to come to Mass, even though they know there's a, a danger, even though they've been cautioned. Because, you know, preceding the cancellation of all these public Masses, we already, I had already issued a, a, a statement that I dispensed from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass each and every Catholic. So already nobody was obliged to go. But what pastors told me on that weekend after is it's precisely a lot of the elder people who, and God bless them, come rain or shine, they go to Mass. Yeah. And I, far be it from me to criticize that or say that that's bad. Would that we had more people who did that of all ages. But the reality is that they are putting themselves at risk. And uh, I just, in good conscience, felt that I had to do what so many other bishops have done. And actually what's been done in Europe, you know, and recently we saw how the Pope and Rome, strolling right? strolling down the Corso in his cassock near the Victor Emmanuel Monument. I mean, it's yeah. a strange sight, walking by himself, because they took him to two churches to pray at a particular uh, image of Our Lady or a crucifix that were associated with asking for relief at time of trial or, or, or illness in Rome. So even there, now I will say too, you know, I have directed that the churches remain open at the discretion of the pastor for some time anyway, so people can come and pray. And I've recommended that without ceremony and without a fixed time, there be the Blessed Sacrament be exposed for adoration if people are coming to pray. But other than that, uh, I, I think I think we just have to uh, you know, it's a season of penance. What greater penance is there not to be able to go to Mass or receive Holy Communion? Now, there are some parishes that have the capability of live-streaming their Mass, but that would be live-streaming the Mass with just the single priest present for one's parishioners. And, of course, the television Mass, the celebration of the Eucharist, is available every day at 10 o'clock on WCCT-TV and WCTX television. So there are other opportunities for people to still remain connected to the Mass, but also the, the fact is that you are encouraging people not to forget that, that they can pray at home. So it, it's not like you abandon your spiritual uh, journey through Lent. You, you certainly don't, but you can maintain that spiritual journey effectively even though there is no public Mass celebrated. Yes, and I would strongly urge people... Uh, uh, to uh, on Sunday or Saturday evening, if the, now that we're no longer able to be together in church, to uh, watch one of the television masses uh, with a homily and 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 offer it prayerfully, make a spiritual communion, take some time after that mass in silent prayer for families, you know, to gather the children around to watch a TV mass and maybe after the mass talk about the gospel or about what the priest said in your own home. I mean, we shouldn't. Uh, just think that, well, you know, I can't go to Mass now, so that's it. I think uh, there are ways for us to uh, give worship to God and to, to preserve our Catholic understanding of Sunday, especially during Lent. What do they say, you know, we're, we're 
uh, window is shut, God opens the door. Maybe, maybe this is a way for people to sit down as families or by themselves if they're alone and think a little bit more about their faith and, and take the initiative to do some reading or watching of televised Mass uh, to celebrate the Lord's Day. Now, one of the things that you did also recommend, a lot of people don't like to hear it. It's not like this is a big emphasis, but let's be realistic. The fact is you're recommending that people not forget to support their parish financially because during this time, uh, the parish also needs to pay its bills, and without the financial support of parishioners, that makes it impossible. Yes, you know, we have to be, have great sensitivity to the financial hardships that this epidemic may cause for some people, and the grief and sadness and anxiety that are inevitably going to arise from illness and even death to people who succumb to it. So the last thing in the world that we want to do is emphasize envelopes and money. But the reality is that parishes ha are made up of human beings too. You know, there are people who work for the church who have to be paid. Parishes have their obligations for their facilities and such. So I would hope that uh, parishioners will be mindful of that. And uh, just because they're not able to go to, to Mass on Sunday, that they would still find some way to make their contributions so that the parish can, can uh, keep going. And also that applies to the Archdiocese too. You know, the AAA, the Archbishop Archbishop Samuel Peel is going on. And there, too, I think our Catholic people who contribute know all the good things that are supported by the Archbishop's annual appeal, all those hundreds of local charities included. There, too, if, if your circumstances uh, permit, please uh, keep in mind the need for that continuing support. But I don't want to say too much about that. That is just something to be kept in mind. But obviously it pales in comparison to the physical and spiritual a toll of this uh, scourge, this illness, and the threat of death, and the, the, even the emotional uh, trauma for many people of being separated from others completely and, and just being kind of um, isolated. We're all kind of in, in, in an isolation. Again, I, I want to emphasize that I think uh, a crisis like this also presents an opportunity. You know, so many people say they don't have time to pray. They don't have time to do spiritual reading. They don't have time to meditate. Well, maybe the, the, the silver lining in this uh, cloud of, uh, of uh, quarantine and, and social distancing, maybe the silver lining is there is now is the time when you can actually do that, those things, you know. So let's make the, the best of it that way. Let's talk a little bit about funerals, too, because you've also suggested that funerals be canceled. That no, I haven't suggested it. I've said that they are suspended. I hate to be so blunt, but they are suspended. Okay, um, so it's maybe yesterday, much more than a suggestion. Is yeah, what you're saying. maybe maybe yesterday. Uh, you're still referring to the um, uh, to the uh, initial announcement that was made yesterday, but today we have issued a f how many pages? Is it four or five, five page? pages? Yeah, you've seen. You know that it's been out there now. Uh, funerals uh, now. The um, uh, funeral masses are suspended. You know, and just so people understand. Even the funeral directors have told us that they're very apprehensive about this, you know, about getting drivers, about uh, getting the people. They're, they're made very anxious about people in the funeral homes, you know, people coming. So this is not just about the church. Uh, it's about everybody. And uh, this is a very difficult one. But I'm saying that priests can celebrate the rite of committal with final commendation at the graveside with uh, a limited number of people. 
keeping in mind what the civil authorities have said about the number of people that should gather. And then, obviously, uh, a mass for the repose of the soul of the, the deceased uh, should be added to the parish intentions. Uh, and if family desires, once this thing clears up, there could even be a public celebration of the mass for the deceased person. But that would be after all of these things have been lifted. I think you remember when we were seminarians in Rome, that it was not the custom uh, generally in Italy to have a funeral mass the way we do in America. Right. You know, Italy does not uh, practice embalming, and it's forbidden, actually. And people are buried very soon after their uh, their death, and I think the, the priest does, you know, they obviously do something. But the mass, there's not a funeral mass as we know it with the casket for the most part. At the Vatican, there is for the cardinals or for the pope, but for ordinary Italians, that's not as the practice. At least it wasn't in our day. It, w- it wasn't then. Archbishop, let's talk about weddings, too, because you're saying that if the couple does not wish to reschedule the wedding, they can have the wedding ceremony, but without a Mass. Is that correct? Yes. It's, it's in the ritual book. You can do that, right. and sometimes you're supposed to do that. But uh, again, participation has to be regulated by the limits established by the civil authorities. This is a good question because what about sacraments? You know, the sacrament of penance, the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Uh, are these able, able to be celebrated? Well, yes. In fact, uh, you know, I'm, I'm practically saying what I wrote to, uh, to all the priests, but and we posted on our on our website. But you know, it's very important that the faithful not be denied access to the sacrament of penance. Uh, but that mean, but under the current circumstances. That doesn't mean a penance service. It just means individual confessions where people come to church at an appointed time, go to the, to the priest individually. Uh, and I've emphasized that the screen no, uh, between them, preferably with a screen rather than face-to-face. I suppose it could still be face-to-face if you really keep a, a far distance, but preferably with a screen that's sufficiently you know, uh, sturdy that it, it's a safe barrier. Uh, you know, I, I honestly don't mean to be make light of this, but if if, if you, a priest threw a heavy blanket over a, a, a screen, you know, or something, as long as you can hear, that would be that would be fine with me and desirable. And uh, baptisms? I would think that parents would want to delay the baptism of a child rather than bring the child into church and possibly expose that child. Yes, well, as you know, historically... The uh, the practice was always that baptism should take a place quam primum in, in Latin, which means as soon as possible. Because for most of history, child mortality and the dangers to newborn children, uh, their lives was very big compared to what it is today. Uh, de facto today, many uh, parents, because of you know the fact that this is no longer such a great danger, many parents already wait. Uh, pretty long time before they bring the child to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, uh, simply saying that that uh, what, what we've put out there is that uh, if they would rather not delay, then the priest certainly should do the baptism in church. But again, the participants should be as few as possible uh, in keeping with what the civil authorities have said. Then there are people who are sick and need the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, and it, it is the obligation of the, the, the priest to minister to the sick and to the dying. However, these are dangerous times in which we live. Yes, well, you know, we all have um, 
uh, to be careful about our health, and we all have uh, legitimate fear of uh, a, a serious illness like the coronavirus. Um, but it is a priestly obligation to minister to the sick and the dying and to provide the sacraments for the, for the dying in particular. And the only thing I've told our priests is that they have to take extreme care to follow the directives of healthcare professionals, you know, to put on all those protective masks and clothing and everything uh, uh, that is necessary to protect themselves. And I'm particularly concerned uh, about our older priests because the coronavirus is much more dangerous to people who are older, which includes you and me. It does, yes. Um, and uh, so there, too, it's a delicate balance of doing our priestly duty, but also making sure that we uh, protect ourselves and do not unnecessarily put ourselves in the path of danger. And, you know, the reality is we can say our, our elderly priests, but given the shortage of priests that we have, most of our priests are elderly. You know, that's another consideration, too, for, for not having Mass. It's not just to protect the people, but also to protect our priests, of which we have few. Um, but that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is the protection of the people as indicated and, and really dictated by, by the civil authorities to, to, to uh, overcome and thwart this, uh, this, this disease. And to stop the community spread of this disease, huh? Exactly. Uh, even, you know, visiting the homebound in parishes for communion or whatever, uh, this has to be taken with great, great care, not only for the sake of the person doing the visiting or bringing communion, but for the sake of the person who is uh, receiving. Because if you go to an elderly person who's homebound and you come from the outside and you might bring something without knowing it, because for, in many, many cases, people are coronavirus positive and they don't know it. You could be bringing death, uh, an illness, to somebody. So we have to be extremely careful about this. Uh, and I, I trust this to the good sense of our, of our priests and people to do everything necessary to contain it. Archbishop, this is in a, a, a very important discussion to have as to what the Church is doing to do its part in terms of making sure that people are kept safe and we minimize opportunities for the community spread of this virus. Let me, let me ask you this question. Any saint in particular that you would suggest is to intercede on our behalf to bring an end to this virus and to maybe not only bring an end to, to this pandemic, but also to calm the nerves of people? People are on edge. People are lonely. People are alienated from one another during these, these times of isolation. Any particular saint that we could call upon? Well, thank you for reminding me, I've, I, because I've been so preoccupied today as we record this with all these prohibitions and cancellations and everything else that, uh, you know, a few days ago, I, uh, for, and fortunately, we still had Mass last Sunday where this could be shared with all the people, but I did give a spiritual message about all this. And uh, the bottom line was that we should work as if everything depended on us by following all the directives and things that were given good medical uh, practice and hygiene, but we should pray as if everything depended on God. So we have to bring uh, our hopes and fears uh, for uh, an end to this and for our health. We have to bring that to God. Uh, in that message, which uh, is video uh, recorded on our Archdiocesan website, for anybody who wants to watch me delivering it, I mentioned that a prayer to Our Lady, uh, uh, to, to the Blessed Virgin, also, the prayer to St. Joseph, our patron of the Archdiocese of Hartford, 
a prayer to uh, the Venerable Michael J. McGivney, who is a priest, founder of the Knights of Columbus, whose cause for beatification is uh, moving forward, but uh, who is also a priest of the Archdiocese of Hartford in the 19th century. Uh, But everybody, you know, has their particular heavenly uh, friend, I guess, or friends, uh, that we should pray uh, to Our Lady, St. Joseph, Father McGivney, and all uh, the saints, uh, and of course, obviously, uh, above all, to uh, God himself uh, for deliverance and help in this in this time. Archbishop, let's take a look at a question that one of our listeners has submitted because it, it goes in concert with basically the theme of what we've been talking about. Lucy from Harwinton says... Like many other people, I am extremely anxious about the coronavirus pandemic. I have been trying to stay positive, but I live alone and have become lonely and sad now that I rarely leave the house. What advice can you give to all of us struggling with depression and loneliness during this difficult time? Well, Lucy, I I can only say that, um, well, I think I've given some indication of our need uh, to uh, pray uh, to do some spiritual reading online or from some good spiritual books uh, to give us some encouragement to read the scriptures, you know. Mm. Read some of the Gospels about uh, the ministry of Jesus, about his healing. Read read, and then pray on the basis of what you read about Jesus who came to be the healer of souls and bodies. Um, I would hope with the weather getting better, uh, that uh, it'll be possible, even people uh, confined it to their home, that that doesn't mean they can't at least go outside and enjoy some fresh air and maybe the greening of the grass and the budding of the flowers as as the days uh, uh, get better. But um, other than that, uh, the only advice I can give you is is really to to pray and to ask God to help you and also to pray for others. Because when we open our hearts out to others, it's we often who receive the healing through our, our charitable concern. And of course, also today we have the ability with radio and television, not just to follow the news, which of course can be pretty depressing about what mm-hmm. the, the virus and all, but some of the uh, more edifying things, you know, the, the uplifting things uh, through Catholic uh, radio and television. And the other thing for those who are on the other side, those individuals that have a, a connection with grandparents and aunts and uncles, relatives, friends, family members, you know somebody in your community who is is elderly and alone, social media and reaching out by way of email messages, text messages, and the like, all kinds of And a telephone call. Absolutely. An old-fashioned telephone call does wonders just to let people know that you're thinking of them, you're praying for them, and and how are you doing? Hey, Mabel— What's happening, you know, something like that. Wouldn't that be a great idea for a parish to enlist individual parishioners, because we're not supposed to meet, but enlist individual parishioners to call the known people in the in the community who are, are alone and, and are shut-ins and see how they're doing and, and talk to them a little bit. That would be a great, great uh, work of mercy. Truly, truly. Archbishop, we've come to the end of our program, this special program today. Can you close the program with a prayer and a blessing, please? Lord, we come to you at a moment of confusion and sorrow and fear, uh, not only for our communities and country, but for the whole world in the face of this uh, deadly coronavirus. And we pray uh, that Jesus, who 
is a healer not only of souls but also bodies as we see in his in his earthly ministry that Jesus uh, your beloved son will also send healing and relief to us especially those who are seriously afflicted with this uh, virus and that each of us through a transformation of our minds and hearts and souls during this Lenten season may think more deeply about the frailty of human life, about our need to have our priorities straight in life when it comes to the things that last forever, and to reach out in charity to all those who are in need or suffering. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Archbishop, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. It's been enlightening to hear from you what the Archdiocese, indeed all of us, need to do to keep one another safe. In turn, stay healthy. You too, stay well.